0: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. People waited for Zacharias Marvel. He tarried so long in the
1: temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak unto them. So this is John's father, Zacharias. He can't speak until John's born. He doesn't have a voice. John's born to a parent that doesn't have a voice. And then John comes out with this very loud voice, calling to Israel. In Matthew, as we said here, we're just not told very much about John the Baptist. We get all, a lot of information from Luke and John, but not here in Matthew. But kind of an interesting thing about John, because we want to know about him, you know. I mean, who is he, you know, and... So it, there's an interesting statement about John in Luke 180, Luke 1 verse 80, Luke 1 verse 80, where it talks about John, and it says about him, "The child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel." That's kind of unusual. I mean, John is growing up, and he spends a lot of time in the desert alone. Well, I guess it's with the animals out there, but he's alone. And so when you kind of picture that, you try to get in your mind, you know, what kind of a person is John the Baptist? You know, he's growing up. Where are you going today, John? I'm going to the desert. Just wants to be in the desert alone. So you really can imagine that John the Baptist is a very meditative type of person. And when we see this about him, he wants to go out alone into the desert. It really brings back to mind The picture of isaac isaac was like that and we saw that in genesis 24 63 genesis 24 63 where a little picture that we get of isaac in genesis 24 63 is isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide so isaac was a type of person who liked to get alone with god in the field and john the baptist it seems to be the same way John the Baptist liked to get alone with God in the desert. These are meditative type of people. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to get alone with God and meditate. You know, Pastor Jim, of course, everybody knows. And when I was saved, Pastor Jim was the superintendent of the San Diego Hebrew Mission. That's, he's really responsible for me being involved in, in evangelism to the Jewish people. And he used to spend three hours in prayer just walking right up this little hallway here, back and forth, three hours every day he would spend in prayer. And, you know, that's a characteristic of a man of God. What God told Joshua was that with all your responsibilities, Joshua, you've got to take the whole people into the land. He told Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 8, Joshua 1, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God says about the man of God in Psalm 1 and Psalm 1 verse 2, Psalm 1 verse 2, he says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So this is very significant about John the Baptist, and we know this about him. And then it goes on, Matthew does go on now, and he doesn't describe a lot, but he describes these unusual details in verse four. In verse four where it says, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. That was distinctive about John, what he wore and what he ate. And it's being called out here. His clothing it's made out of camel's hair. If not camel's skin, that might be okay. You know, camel's skin, maybe it's very soft skin. I don't know. I don't have anything made out of camel, but, you know. But I could maybe if I did, I probably would want the underbelly of the camel it would be softer. You know, that'd be, that'd be nice skin, maybe. I don't know. But certainly camel's hair doesn't sound nice, right? Because camel's hair is stiff. It's coarse. I've seen these camels in Addis Ababa, in Ethiopia, the Somalis like camels. They like they eat camels. They ride camels. Everything is camels with the Somalis. I don't know what it is with them and the camels. But anyway, so I've seen them. Camels walked around the street. And sometimes they get kind of long hair. But those camel hair are good for tents. Very good covering for tents to protect it from the elements. But as a coat, oh, I don't think I want to wear that coat. Uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. So when you look at John the Baptist... And you saw, oh, what is he wearing? He's wearing camel hair. And then you saw this belt it was obviously distinctive. It was called out. It was a belt. I guess everybody wore a leather belt, but this must have been something of a large belt. Maybe he had a pockets in it or something like that. So this is the thing that oh, he called out about John the Baptist. And then there was the food that he ate. He ate locusts, locusts. I don't know. How many people here have ever eaten a locust? You know, I guess you tear the wings off before you eat them. I don't know. It's like eating Captain Crunch or something. I don't know. But, I don't know, locusts, you know, I mean, okay, well, all right, I guess you dry them in the sun, and they would probably be a non-perishable food, and, you know, a good protein source, and, you know, you reach in your, maybe your leather thing, and eat some locusts, I don't know. And I guess when there's a swarm, you can get a lot of them, you know, I mean, they certainly could do that in Egypt. And um, you kind of think about it now, what is it about locusts? Why did he do that? Well, Speaking of a person who spends or wastes a lot of time preparing food, I mean, I can make some dinner or something, like that. And I said, oh, I've been at this for three hours already, you know. It's just me, so, you know, <laughs> bon appetit. No. One advantage is it doesn't take a lot of time, you know, to, for the, lo- you know, the locusts, you don't have to plant them, you don't have to grow them, you don't have to harvest them, you don't have to tend to them like animals, you don't have to graze them, you just have them. And so if you want to save some time, it's like, you know, this is fast food. You know, it's locusts, very convenient. If you're not a gourmet cook, then okay, it's good. locust is good for you. And then for carbohydrates, John ate this wild honey. So, okay, I mean, again, uh, honey is non-perishable. It's easy to get, relatively, if you can get rid of the bees and smoke the bees away. Maybe John dipped the locust in the honey. Maybe, that I don't know, maybe this afternoon we should all go out and try it. <laughs> But, but the point is, is that this is what the people saw when they went out to the wilderness. They saw this meditative type of man who spent his childhood out in the deserts alone. He's wearing camel hair. He has a very distinctive leather girdle, and he's eating locusts and wild honey. And he's crying out. He's crying out for the people to repent because God the king is soon going to come. Now, when you kind of stood back and you saw this, all this scene in front of you, there's a message, there's a statement, a clear message, a clear statement that comes right to you from John the Baptist. This is a man who has turned his back on the world. His clothing and his lifestyle was a pretty clear statement that he had renounced the world and all the best things the world had to offer. And he just, he kind of looked it. He looked like the Lord Jesus Christ in the sense of, Isaiah 53, 2. Isaiah 53, 2. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of a dry ground. It's out in the desert. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I guarantee you, the people, all the people who came out there from Jerusalem, all Judea, they didn't go running home and say, you know, I want to get a camel's hair for clothes, and I want to wear a leather burtel, and I'm going to start eating locusts and honey. So the beauty of John the Baptist and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ was not on the outside. It was all on the inside. But to the people, this is how John the Baptist looked. But the point is how John the Baptist looked to God. Because people looked on the outside, God looked on the inside. And when God looked at John the Baptist, he made a comment about how he looked in Luke 1.15. Luke one fifteen, where he talked about John the Baptist. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. So first, as far as how he looked to God, John the Baptist was great in the sight of the Lord. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist looks so great in the sight of the Lord that the Lord Jesus said about him in Matthew eleven eleven Matthew eleven eleven Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Wow, quite a statement. That of all the people ever born, that there was nobody greater than John the Baptist? No greater prophet than John the Baptist? So what this is telling us in Luke 1.15, about the greatness of John, it says that he's great in the sight of the Lord, and then it says he wouldn't drink any wine or strong drink So John wasn't interested in wine or liquor. He he didn't need to relax after a hard day of crying in the wilderness. And he didn't need to have a good time with the wine and the liquor. And it reminds me of when I used to, I think I've told you this, it reminds me of when I used to go to Japan, sometimes twice a year. And the most important meeting for the Japanese businessmen was the after-five meeting, after-five meetings. And that was when we'd all go to a restaurant to eat, and, oh, there was a lot of sake and a lot of beer, and everybody essentially got drunk. So I'm the only sober one there. And the rule, But why? Because the rule in Japan is when you're drunk, you're not responsible for what you say or what you do. So that was a time when you could really say what you were restrained from saying during the day, and sometimes it was a little like, ooh, rough. Uh, well, <laughs> they would always try to get me to drink. They always tried to get me to drink sake and beer with them. And I'd say, no, thank you, no, thank you. Oh, the pressure, you know, they put the glasses in front of me, fill them up. You know, everybody would raise their dress, all the compai, pie, you know, a lot of pressure for me to drink with them. And I wouldn't. And they would ask, why not? So finally, I told them, I said, it's because of what King Solomon said. And, you know, I said, King Solomon, our great king said in, in Proverbs one six Proverbs 31.6, give strong drink unto him that's ready to perish. And I'd say, your company is really not that bad, <laughs> that I feel ready to perish and I need strong drink. <laughs> anyway, Luke 1.15 tells us John the Baptist did not drink wine or strong drink. And when it says that John the Baptist did not drink wine, that did not mean that John the Baptist did not drink non-alcoholic grape juice, because wine in the Bible is not non-alcoholic grape juice. Wine in the Bible was alcoholic, and John the Baptist did not drink alcohol. And there was a consequence to that choice. There was a consequence to John being filled with the Spirit of God. And it's stated in the next verse, in Luke 1, 16, Luke 1.16. So you put those two verses together, Luke one fifteen and 16, and it comes out like this. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Now, everybody wants to know the secret of evangelism. How do you turn Jewish people to the Lord their God? This is the secret. In Luke 1, 15 through 16, Luke one fifteen through 16, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. It reminds me when I taught a seven-week course on evangelism and everybody comes to the class and they all want to know the methods of evangelism. You know, what do I say? And what are the points to cover? And, and how do you respond to the various arguments? And how do you persuade stubborn people? And how do you convince skeptical people? So that's what they all came and wanted to know. And they were all disappointed because I spent all my time on how do you meditate on God's word? And how do you pray? And how do you fill your heart with spiritual songs? And how do you commune with God? And how do you walk with God? And the reason I did that is because that's how to be filled with the Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit is how to evangelize. And this is what John was. He was a man who was filled with the Spirit, and he's not seen speaking in tongues, and he's not seen in some kind of fit or trance or slaying people in the Spirit or causing people to fall backwards. He's filled with the Spirit, and because of that, he turns many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Okay. So John is preaching, preaching, preaching in the wilderness. And we read in verse 5, in verse 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about Jordan. It's interesting. It's interesting in verse 5. It doesn't say that all the people from Jerusalem went out to John the Baptist. It says Jerusalem went out, like the whole city of Jerusalem went out to John in the wilderness. It's really painting a picture about hall, the whole city of Jerusalem was just sick. They were sick with sin. And John's in the wilderness. He's got the remedy. So the whole city of Jerusalem just goes out to the wilderness to get this cure that John has. It cures repentance. It must have been quite a scene. I mean, I wish I could have seen that. would have sight, you know. The, all the city of Jerusalem flowing out of the city to John. I mean, they don't make a move when the king of the Jews is reported to be born but when there's a person is crying out you need to repent the whole city goes out and you can just see them they're filled with shame and they're filled with guilt and they maybe they're crying and they're confessing their sins and John is baptizing them I mean that's quite a picture and that picture of Jerusalem leaving it's very reminiscent of think about what happened in Moses day when Moses pulled up the tabernacle right out of the ground, and had it from the middle of the camp of Jewish people, and had it put way outside the camp of the Jewish people in Exodus 33, Exodus 33, 7. Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of congregation, and it came to pass. Everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of congregation, which was without the camp. So you see Jerusalem in this repenting city. As a Jerusalem, they're flowing. They're flowing outside the city. They're flowing away from organized religion of Jerusalem. And they're going out to find true forgiveness, to find true cleansing from their sin. And this is really a picture, which you see here, it's a picture of everyone. Let me just put it this way. Every Jewish person that wants to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he has to leave. That's all. He has to leave. And that's why it says... Hebrews 13, 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. And when they went out to him, there's an emphasis by the way on how many people went out to him in verse five, verse five, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. So the scene is that these people, there must have been this tremendous line and to get to, to John the Baptist to be baptized there, Really, a picture of Luke 16 16, Luke 16 16, where it says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. The people were really pressing their way into it. that must have been a big line. And then it says in verse 6 that they were all baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So, this is a great picture. It hasn't been re- repeated since, and it won't be repeated until a uh, coming day in Zechariah 13.1. In Zechariah 13.1, is going to be the future when Israel or the Jewish people are going to survive, or the ones who do survive, Jacob's trouble or Armageddon. And, and then all of them are going to be saved. And the picture that's going to see there, is just like we see right here, is it says Zechariah 13.1, And that day shall a fountain be opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. So there's gonna be a fountain open for them and they're gonna do like John the Baptist did, they're gonna baptize. Now, baptism is not foreign to the Jewish people, it's a, the traditional baptism for the Jewish people, it has been a long time before this, it's called the mikveh. it's a mikvah. Nobody goes to the mikvah and gets sprinkled, That's not. that doesn't happen yet. It's an immersion and it's a symbol of repentance where the whole body is immersed in water to indicate that the desire for the whole body to be cleansed from sin and this is the response that the people have to john the baptist preaching to repent they get in the water and up baptized whole body and this is baptism it was a baptism of repentance and the jewish baptism like it's called the mikvah but it has another meaning too outside the city walls in jerusalem there's this place that's been excavated, and you can see it, and there are, it's a place of of many mikvahs, many mikvahs, because the water was channeled there under the ground to form these pools of water outside the city gate with steps that went into the pools. And so the people then would go down into the pools and get under the water and come up, be totally immersed, that's the mikvah. This was for groups of people that followed a particular rabbi or a particular teacher, so a religious people or orthodox people characterize themselves by the teacher or the rabbi that they follow. I told you that I was when I was there at the Wailing Wall this last time, and this orthodox man was there, and and I, I said, uh, "Who are you following?" And his response was, "Nachman, of course. <laughs> Nachman, of course." But then, you know, you go to a Chabad person and they would say, Schneerson, of course, so everybody's of course. So anyway, they all follow these particular leaders, you know. And the same was true thousands of years ago. For example, those who followed it Gamaleel, it's Gamaleo, of course. So when the followers and their leader came to the city, to the city walls there, following their leader, their teacher, they would follow their teacher into the waters of the mikvah to be baptized to that teacher, In other words, it's an indication I'm following that teacher. And that indicated that they were followers, the teacher of the rabbi went before them. So when all these people came out to Israel to be baptized by John the Baptist, that meant they were following John's teaching on the need to repent, and they were confessing as their sins as they were being baptized by John the Baptist. So when followers were baptized to Jesus of Nazareth, that meant that they were following the teaching of Jesus of Nazareth. So really, baptism was meant to show a final decision for a person. He's never going to be devoted to any teacher except that teacher. I told you, my father used to do everything to get me to return to Judaism. And he sent me to large meetings called Hineni meetings, where this woman rabbi lectured loud and with music and everything on the importance of being a Jew. And then he sent me to other rabbis. And he was just relentless, you know, trying to get me to return to Judaism until I told him that I was baptized. It was a shock. What? You were baptized? For that time, he ceased. That was it. Because, you know, you're not going to return to Judaism because you were baptized. I remember how my Orthodox rabbi friend recently, you know, he was shocked to hear, what? You were baptized? How could you do that? It's like you were branded, you know. Okay. I mean, some people look at just a little water. Uh Uh-uh. Not to religious Jews. It was a permanent life decision. There was a real no turning back. Well, baptism also took on another meeting, which Paul brought out in Romans 6.3, 6, where it was following the Lord into his death. When it says in Romans 6.3, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, even so we should walk in newness of life here we'll continue next week lord willing with this baptism of the people in jordan and confessing their sins let's pray father thank you so much for the faithfulness of john the baptist lord to to prepare uh the people for your coming lord jesus we pray that lord we would also heed and hear the message of john the baptist and repent of our sins so that lord you you have free reign with us and we pray that we would also be as faithful as john the baptist was to you in jesus name amen
0: another wonderful day studying the bible with our bible teacher tom Cantor here on friendship with god don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Friendship with God Fellowship and Tom Cantor would like to invite you to our Seder message and traditional Passover dinner on Sunday, April 14th from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Come join us for a special night of music, food, and and a biblical perspective on the Passover Seder. Experience this event in our brand new venue, The Vine, located near the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. The cost of this event is $25 per person, and the last day to sign up is Sunday, April 7th. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California.